This is a podcast from Rover. Rex Today. With NetSpeed. Rural, urban and everywhere in between. G'day New Zealand, how are you? Coming up for you in just a moment, we're going to be talking with Richard Burke from Leader Brand. We're going to be talking vegetables and we're going to be talking honey with Karen Koss from Apiculture NZ. Then Kate Underwood from Eat NZ about Wellington on a Plate and there's a particular event we're going to be focusing on on this uh, Thursday. So uh, it's a bit of a food special for you. Vegetables, honey and Wellington on a Plate. That's all coming up on the show today. But first, here's some good news for you. Uh, we've got vegetable prices is dropping as uh, some farmers start to recover from cyclone damage. Let's go to uh, Richard Burke from Leader Brand to have a bit of a chat about why that might be the case. Good to have you back on the show, Richard. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Thank you. So a uh, variety of vegetables, the prices have dropped in the last week or so. A welcome relief because, man, every uh, time you look at a food price index or something like that, there's only one way it goes, and that's north. So here's some relief. Yeah, it's kind of been a tough world to live in, to be fair, because we're, you know, we're 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 out there trying to feed New Zealand, and it's uh, not easy when you see what's happening with with pricing. And I should be careful because we're not responsible for all vegetables, but certainly the ones that we've uh, we've got in our stable are, are looking way more competitive now than what they were, which is pleasing for us as well as everybody else. Yeah, well, one of the examples, broccoli, and I noticed that over the weekend. Uh, that is, you know, that's pretty good. Um, and, and it's a staple in our household because, uh, you know, the kids aren't great at it, uh, eating their vegetables. But I, that's one I can sort of jam down their throats, you know. Yeah, it's a great product, isn't it? And it's so good for you as well. So hard to walk past when it's good value like it is at the moment. And yeah. that's just a reflection of of, uh, of getting the supply side right, which, is, which has been good. Okay, that's interesting. I was going to ask you about what are some of the factors that have led to uh, a bit of a price drop for some of these commodities. So uh, that's obviously one. And uh, what else is going on? Well, if you look at it, you know the the leafy greens and lettuces and greens are the fastest things that you can that you can get um, from planting to harvest. Right. So you know they're the first things that are going to come right. And you know, frankly, we've had. Um, you know, I hate to say this because people always are going on that farmers have always got bad news, but we've been on the receiving end of a fair bit of stuff as most of New Zealanders have for the last 18 months with COVID and, and uh, I hate to talk about these cost increases, but we've all had to deal with them. And I think, to be fair, we've all been a little bit cautious about what that means for us with our supply. And once you start getting cautious and you get a little bit of weather, then, you know, you can have some real shortages pretty quickly. And I think what you're seeing now is, is maybe not the impact of having uh, having shortages. So, you know, we're really pushing hard to get that back out into the into consumers. Yeah. So there's plenty of supply across the market. Yeah, there is, and I know we're heading into winter. And some of the growing guys will, will be calling me up and going, "What did you say that for, Richard?" Because we're getting <laughs> of rain and it'll all change. But look, we're reasonably confident. We've got uh, all of our farms, you know, right across New Zealand right now, looking pretty good. Uh, they've got reasonable product. We're reasonably well prepared for winter, even though we've had some issues. So, um, you know, we've got we've got our greenhouse just starting to to look like it's going to add something this winter. So. We're 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 reasonably confident that we're in a good spot right at the moment. Good, that's really good to hear. Um, and uh, those prices, I mean, they'll stable a bit, won't they? As um, the sort of the normal planting and harvesting schedules resume, barring some unforeseen, uh, you know, act of God, as you know, we've had a couple of examples of. 
Yeah, look, definitely. And, and you know, we're, we're in the game of supplying the right volume. You know, we, we get the volume right. We get the efficiency at scale. Um, so we need to get that volume in and through through the cooling and out to store and off shelf as fast as we can because we all know all of it's really nice when it's fresh but ain't so good when it's not. Mm. So, uh, you know, yeah, we're really working hard to get it out there in, in the most competitive way and we're hoping that New Zealanders will lean into it and we can keep it fresh and keep it good and, and keep that value there because the more we sell, the better the value. That blue highway, as they're calling it, the uh, the coastal route, which is uh, carrying goods between Napier and Gisborne, has that helped? I'd love to say yes, but if you talk domestic supply for us, not at all. Uh, we've put a little bit of export stuff on it, but frankly our focus is domestic. Mm. Um so and and it's been a little bit inconsistent when we've done that as well. So, look, I, I think it's probably worked for some things, but it hasn't had uh, any impact on domestic supply. You know, we're still running trucks uh, north and turning them around in uh, in uh, Fokitani and sending them south to hit the ferry and meet the South Island to get all the way down to you in Dunedin. So, look, we've still got a few things that aren't in our favour, um, but uh, frankly, that's our issue. Well, fair enough, yeah, and uh, I'm glad you clarified that because some of the reports have sort of said that, uh, well, this is a, you know, this is a great thing, but uh, you've put that in perspective, which is good. Um, the, uh, the 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 growers, how are they sort of holding up and faring uh, in the the wake of, um, you know, hail and Gabriel and all these sorts of things? I mean, um, uh, we have spoken about it, but uh, the dust has settled on a lot of that stuff now, and it's, um, you know, it's uh, trying to get back to business as usual. How are the growers? The dust has settled is, is kind of interesting because there was the dust not settling, which was the problem. It was too much rain. It was all mud. But yeah, um, exactly. Look, I, I think that you know I've been in the game for a long period of time now, and and uh, and I've worked with Murray McFaul, who's the founder of Leader Brand, and he gave me some really good advice a long time ago, and and he's still giving it to me today, which is farming's about surviving the tough times, and uh, you know you got to bite down on that mouth guard and, and dig in and. And, and do the mahi and, and hopefully if you do that well enough and you make the right decisions you come out the other side and and the sun comes out and, and nature has a way of balancing things up and, and you've got to make it happen and, and there's, you know, we're, we're no different to anyone else and that's what we have to do. Yeah, it's tough on some people, it's tough on some businesses but you just got to get on and get it done and, and when you get in the right position you've got to drive pretty hard and, and I guess that's really what we're trying to get out there now and saying, hey guys, we're we're driving pretty hard and we're still here and, and we're pretty keen to get product back out there. Murray McPhail, the uh, the sage uh, advice from him, that is good. I like it. Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot of pearls of wisdom, but I don't share them too often, just every now and then. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing uh, one of uh, those pearls today on the program. Uh, Richard Burke, Leader Brand Chief Executive, much appreciated. Thanks for the update. Cheers, Dom. Appreciate it, mate. Rex today with NetSpeed connecting the country and now with mobile phones. All right, well, Apiculture New Zealand is welcoming the announcement, of course, that the New Zealand and UK Free Trade Agreement will come into force by the end of this month. The Chief Executive of Apiculture NZ is Karen Koss, and she's with us now. Karen, good to have you on the show again. How's things? Very good, thank you. And yes, it was a great uh, announcement to have uh, to hear about this on Friday. Uh, we knew that it was in the wings, but to have it uh, come into force by the end of May, that's a real boost for our industry. Yeah, so this will see the removal of tariffs on all New Zealand honey into the United Kingdom, and that current 
tariff rate is at 16%. So really that is cause for popping a few champagne corks, isn't it? It is. And look, you know, it's about improving our competitiveness. And it is one of the UK is one of our largest markets. It consistently ranks in the top three export markets for us. So it is an important market. We have strong, good connections there. Uh, UK consumers do like our good quality New Zealand honey. But to have a 16% tariff for every time we send something over there, you know, that is a cost of doing business. And to have that removed, I think it's a, it's a real bonus for, um, for our industry. I imagine it will be universally uh, celebrated with um, honey producers in this country because it has not been an easy time of late. No, and so look, we've had a really tough season um, this year as well as um, the last couple of years. Um, the, the honey production season this year has been pretty poor given the uh, bad weather that we've had, the cold weather, the uh, lack of flowering, the, the rain. So we've seen our national yields, we, we predict they're going to be well down from this year. But we've also seen over the last couple of years, as you know in my discussions with you, um, some significant stockpiling of honey as well. So um, while it's going to take some time and uh, this comes into effect at the end of, of May, um, it's everything helps um, if it helps us move move honey, but also, like I said, it just levels the playing field for our um, for our sector here in New Zealand. Oh, it certainly does. And uh, when you look at the uh, the amount that it's worth as well, in terms of, I think it's about a forty million dollar uh, you know export revenue. That was the case last year in terms of uh, sales into the United Kingdom. So it's not insignificant at all. No, it's not. And, you know, along with other primary sectors, we've had a very good, strong relationship with with UK. Uh, So, as I said, they they do love the New Zealand honey. They they love manuka honey. They have all honeys. Clover honey is popular there. But actually, uh, there is a lot of competition in that market as well. And so if you've got to compete with that 16% tariff, that, that does not help. Um, so, yeah, so I think it will um, lead over time, it will lead to more sales. But as I said, it's just the first step at this stage just to have that removed, um, that, that tariff removed is great. Exactly. Well, um, the other thing about it, I was just actually thinking when you were talking about uh, the stockpiling of honey and things like that, I was wondering in terms of the um, weather events that have beset particularly the North Island in recent months, what sort of effect did that have? Oh, look, it's been massive. Um, just our uh, beekeepers in the sort of Tarafiti, the Gisborne, Hawke's Bay, uh, Northland areas, uh, they've had, uh, it's had a massive impact. I know that um, about five to 6,000 hives were lost just due to the flooding, but there's also at least the same amount, if not more, actually, um, with hives that people haven't been able to access. And that's been um, probably even tougher. You know, you've got all of these hives needing to be wintered down. Uh, beekeepers haven't been able to access them, and it's um, it's, it's tough. You know, they... Um, but it, it's tough going for them at the moment. Yeah, and then it's the, uh, the the recovery of their operations as well. I was having a read of, um, I can't remember where it was, but they were talking about yeah this this sort of painful and costly recovery um, and how how beekeepers will adapt to intensifying climate crises and things like this. So I'm look, I'm not sure, uh, you know, if it was uh, a bit of uh, re- rhetoric and uh, sort of um, you know overly flamboyant language used in what I was talking about, but that was the general gist of it anyway. Yeah, and I think, look, beekeepers adjust pretty well to, to changing climate. They always have had to. Yeah. Uh, things can change at a whim, so 
Um, that's something they're certainly um, aware of, but I guess it's been heightened over the last couple of years, and it's quite interesting. We are going to be discussing the impact of cyclones, uh, the potential for climate change. All of those kind of things will be discussed at our conference at the end of June. Uh, it's being held in Rotorua. And, you know, I think there'll be a decent amount of, of beekeepers coming along wanting to have that discussion. You know, what do we need to do differently, potentially? Well, and it's interesting as well, because I know that the theme for this year's conference in Rotorua in June, as you said, is uh, beyond the frame where to next for the New Zealand apiculture sector, which is, which is exactly as you've just described. There's, there's obviously a lot of uh, unknowns and uncertainty, but um, you know the industry has thrived for uh, a very, very long time throughout human history, so you would imagine it's uh, pretty well equipped to adapt, but I guess the question for New Zealand producers is exactly how, and uh, I guess some of those questions will attempt to be asked and answered at that conference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's our one time of the year that we can get together. You know, beekeepers are quite often quite solitary. Uh, we're still expecting around 700, 800 people to come to conference. It's one of the biggest in, uh, in the primary sector. And it's for that very reason. It's actually understanding what is coming up, what do we need to consider. You know, we get experts from overseas talking about research developments. But it is absolutely that. The market, the whole um, environment has been quite challenging over the last couple of years. And uh, what do we need to do differently? What should we be thinking about as an industry and a sector? So it's a great time for us to have that discussion. Very timely. Very timely. Yeah, the colony loss rate for 2022, I understand it was uh, basically the same as 2021 uh, in terms of, um, you know, uh, the things like varroa and things like that that affect uh, hive levels. I'm I'm pretty sure that was about right, uh, colony loss. Yeah, Yeah, colony loss is pretty static in terms of um, overall winter loss. Uh, not surprisingly, Barroa was still the number one issue for beekeepers. Mm. Uh, and, you know, just talking to beekeepers around the country this year, uh, Varroa is certainly top of the list when it comes to concerns for them. And, and again, I think, you know, that's something we'll be tackling at conference. Um, there's, a, there's a lot happening in this space. Uh, we've got some international experts coming to talk to us. But again, um, you know, what practices do we need to have in place to uh, manage this? Because it's certainly not going away, unfortunately. No, it's not. And uh, at least you can uh, turn up to that conference and say, hey, look, we've got this uh, UK free trade agreement that is uh, in place. So 16% off those tariffs, which, uh, you know, so it's not all doom and gloom. It's, uh, there's some good news out there as well, Karen, uh, as always. Bloody good to talk to you. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming on and giving us your thoughts. No problem, Dominic. Nice to chat. We'll talk Wellington on a plate in just a moment, but first, with moving day fast approaching, it is time to start thinking about your energy needs on the new farm, and Genesis has got a team of dedicated agribusiness managers who are just one call away. With that one simple call, these guys will take care of the hard stuff and make sure the lights are on come June the 1st to find out who to call in your area. All you've got to do is go to genesis.co.nz slash rural. That is genesis.co.nz slash rural, or just Google moving farms with Genesis. Rex Today with NetSpeed. Internet solutions for everyone and their dog. All right, well, Wellington on a plate is on at the moment. It started on, uh, must have been Friday the 5th, and uh, it is running through until the 21st of this month. One of the events this coming Thursday, in fact, is Eat New Zealand Kaitaki Talking Plates. To tell us all about that from uh, Eat NZ, we're joined now by Kate Underwood. Kate, good to have you on the show. How are you doing? Kia ora. I'm well, thank you. I'm very excited to be here. And yes, looking forward to our dinner event this Thursday. What's the nature of this particular event? 
Yeah, so Eat New Zealand is Aotearoa's national food movement. So we're dedicated to connecting people to our land and our ocean through our food. And one of the ways that we do that is through our Eat New Zealand kaisaki. And they are a collective of next generation food leaders from across the food system. So everyone from farmers to fishers to chefs to nutritionists to anyone involved in food. And this particular event is a celebration of all of those next generation leaders. So we're bringing five young chefs together, along with our Eat New Zealand founder, who's Chef Julio Sterler. And they are essentially dishing up discussion about what comes next in food in Aotearoa. Very exciting, because it's always been one of those things where... You know, let's look, for example, at the national dish or something like that or a a uniquely New Zealand cuisine. And, uh, you know, we've got such a great history of food production. But, um, you know, in that space, I guess there's room for a lot of discussion. Absolutely. And lots of the time they talk about how we are exporting our food story. And this is an opportunity for these young people to take ownership back of that and to re-establish like, what is New Zealand food and how can we deliver it and talk about it in a really exciting way. And a particular aspect of that that we want to celebrate is that idea of Know Your Farmer, so building that local food connection back to the people that work really, really hard to produce our food and trying to connect that closer to the eater. Very important aspect as well. I was having a chat with, I've had a couple of chats recently with uh, Brent Martin, uh, celebrated New Zealand chef, and uh, he's been talking about uh, a recent trip he had uh, with uh, overseas chefs as well, uh, visiting um, various alliance farms just to get a bit of a handle on exactly uh, how that raw product is produced, if you like, and he said it was absolutely invaluable. Mm, Totally, and it's a type of experience that, particularly for these chefs, it changes the way that they look at food once they've had that experience of where it comes from, and for them to be able to get the opportunity to deliver it in a really exciting way for the eater to experience, just again brings you a closer personal connection to understanding where our food comes from. When it comes to this particular event that we're talking about, did people have to apply to be a part of it? No, so as part of our Kaitaki Collective, there are 100 next-generation young people. So what we've done is connected the young chefs who are already based in Wellington and brought them all together. So it's basically a put your hand up if you want to be involved. And some of these are really young, like some of our best young chefs, so it's pretty awesome. The youngest one is 18, and obviously Julio, who's like one of New Zealand's best chefs and is being named... Um, Chef of the Year back in 2019. So it's pretty exciting to have such a wide range of skills come together. Oh, very much so. Um, I understand, Kate, that you are a bit of a a freelance food writer yourself. Uh, Fertile ground, forgive the pun, for discussion um, topics, uh, articles, etc. around this um, particular topic at the moment, isn't there? It seems to be, um, you know, a pretty sort of burgeoning industry at the moment. Absolutely. I think COVID was something that really brought our attention to that question of where does it come from and why are we not are we not more aware of it? So mm. I think there's lots of stories and you'll see through the different uh, discussions that we'll have in each of the courses, things like grow food communities, uh, wild food love, so appreciating things like seaweed and like, utilising them in exciting ways and the idea of repurpose the surplus which is around food waste and finding innovative ways to reuse ingredients that you would either that would otherwise go to waste. Yeah, and um, our 
standing as a food producer, you mentioned the fact that obviously we're, we're an export. I mean, we basically export about 90% of, of what we produce. It's a sort of a, almost a unique scenario in a global sense. Where do you think our standing is in, at the moment uh, on, a, on a global setting, if you like, in terms of our produce and uh, how it travels and its um, effect on the reputation as a food producing nation for New Zealand? I think it's undeniable that our food is incredible. I mean, the quality of it, there's no qualms and and how amazing it is. I think the biggest thing is that making sure that there's enough available here for those travellers to come and experience in situ, Mm. but also for New Zealanders to have access to it. That seems to be a really big issue around the country, that food accessibility and people actually being able to taste what is produced here, hence the need for these local food systems. Yes, very much so. Uh, yeah, as I say, it's an, it's an excellent uh, topic of conversation or topics of uh, of conversation. So, what do you envisage uh, some of the um, I, I guess the the key things that will be discussed at the upcoming event on Thursday? I think lots around the fact that we need to almost think beyond the plate of food itself and think about where what it comes from so like the soil upon which it's grown the people behind it really like tapping into those bigger picture values but that that can be delivered in a story through the flavor of what's on the plate mm. so i think that's the thing that's why what, what we've shared in terms of the menu is actually not the food itself but the bigger concepts that it speaks to so we're really excited to be able to give our guests an experience of that yeah, I can imagine that would uh, be, uh, you know, rather enticing for people. Um, and of course, you know, when it comes to uh, farming in this country as well, it's uh, going through a massive period of change at the moment. All these things kind of tie in together as, uh, I guess, a new generation comes on board, different ways of doing things. Um, you know, there's climate, there's all these sorts of things. So that's a very interesting subtext as well. Mm, absolutely, and that's why I think we're so inspired by the voices of these young people because they're championing new ways forward, and they haven't, they don't have their own histories of the ways that things have always been. So they're looking at innovation and just a different lens through which they they farm or through which they they use the food that's produced. So it's really exciting to see um, and to just be able to yeah shine a light on these young voices and different opportunities and ways to be to be farming. Wellington on a plate. Uh, it is going to be uh, once again a, a wonderful celebration of uh, New Zealand cuisine, uh, culture, etc. All these sorts of things. Um, Kate, you'll be looking forward to it. I mean, there'll be a, a number of uh, things. Obviously, not just the uh, Kotaki talking plates, but uh, I imagine there's a whole lot of stuff going on. Absolutely, there's always heaps of headliner events and lots of ways that you can support Wellington Hospitality. Um, they really get involved down there and it's a very like supportive hospital community so it'll be great atmosphere to be in amongst all the action and eating lots of delicious things and we'd love to have anyone along to the Talking Plates event. It should be a really interesting evening. If people are interested, Kate, what's the best way to get more info? Best way is to come and follow us on Instagram, so at eat dot New Zealand or just search on the Wellington on, on a plate uh, website and there's a big menu there and you can find the Eat New Zealand Kaitaki event. Wonderful. Wonderful stuff. Kate Underwood uh, from Eat New Zealand, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. All the best for the week. I'm sure it'll be great and there'll be some uh, stories to tell and some discussions to be had in the wake of it. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks so much. It'll definitely be an evening we'll be talking about for years to come.
Now, here's quite an interesting story I was reading over the weekend. It's a, a new report which proposes new crops of soybeans, pineapples and rice could apparently be grown in New Zealand as local climates change. Uh, the Global Change in New Zealand Biosecurity Report is what it's called. Uh, it also says that uh, other changes would also result in an uh, increased risk of plant-destroying insects, weeds and diseases entering the country. So this is the culmination of a two-year government-funded research project to review how things called global megatrends could make it harder to stop plant pests and diseases from entering New Zealand. And those trends include sea level rises, forcing changes in shipping trade routes, for example, extreme weather, human movement and international conflict. And they're all likely to result in an increased risk of entry uh, to New Zealand by alien plant pests. So we'll uh, do more on this over the uh, the coming week or so on the program, but uh, that is the report. It's called Global Change and New Zealand Biosecurity. Uh, interesting stuff. That is our show for today. As always, thank you for your company. Great to have it. And uh, don't forget, of course, to check uh, everything out on Rover, all our podcasts, everything we do. Uh, just go there and you will find it. Thanks as uh, always as well to the team at NetSpeed, netspeed.net.nz. Fast, reliable and internet, home phone and mobile phone packages from a team right here in New Zealand from the lounge to the cow shed to the motorhome anywhere in between. Trust NetSpeed to keep you connected. Have a great day. Catch you all back tomorrow. Rex Today with NetSpeed. Internet solutions for everyone. Talk to them today.